We've been in this series of Out of the Darkness into the Light. And, uh, and, and the Lord, what, what is so cool about this whole series is how God has been bringing uh, so many truths to me in regard to the Word. And just enlightening my life and helping me grow in whatever journey that might be. And, uh, but I know through it that I have, have truly uh, felt the presence of God in His leading. Can you, if you would, please turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 9 through 10. 1 Peter 2. Verses 9 through 10. I love that today I get to talk about out of the darkness and into the light, the church. The church being a body, the church being individuals, the church being a group, a sect of people, uh, a called out, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And I love what our responsibility is, but I think sometimes we have forgot, forgotten about what our responsibility is. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's about us, we, they, them, others. And if you're the first one to say, I expect this from that person and I expect that from that person, you might want to just reevaluate your own life and ask yourself the question, what is it that God expects from me? What is it that he expects from me in the word? In verse nine, it talks about God's own people. And this morning, as we look at it, I'm going to set apart our Church, the church, not just new hope, but the church at large, each and every one of us. It says in first Peter chapter two, verse nine, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, a peculiar people. I love that word. For some of you teachers that are in here, you might like the word peculiar, because I believe that peculiar sets us apart. So it says there that you're a peculiar people. Should I say it again? Peculiar. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That you are a chosen generation. That you are a child of the Most High God. That He has plans for you because you are set apart, you are peculiar. You are special to God. Look to the person next to you and say, you're special. I didn't mean to say it in that tone. We know there's some special people in here. We're all a peculiar people. What, what does the world say? <laughs> I got that. What does the world say about a peculiar people? That we should be different. That we should be set apart. 
that within our life people should say, that's a Christian, he's a Christian, they're a Christian. What, so what sets us apart? What makes us different? Turn, if you would, please. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read verses 13 through 19. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 19. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say you that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say unto you that thou art Peter, Peter meaning a rock, Peter meaning a stone, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not stand Against it. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for a habitation, for a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. Jesus said, I will build my church. There was a sense of confidence that was there. The word church is used only twice by Jesus and recorded for us only in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 16 and the other Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 15, 17 says, If your brother sins against you and go and show him his fault just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you have won your brother. Over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. By now, I believe we do know that the church is not just a building. Jesus did not build any building or monument. He died leaving behind a group of believers whose lives were transformed. And so clearly the church refers to the body of believers. It's not a building. It is not an institution. It is not an organization. The church was not even the believer's idea. They did not come together to form it. It was prophesied by Jesus here. And he is the one that builds the church. The word church in, in the Greek actually means ecclesia. And that word broke down means a called out assembly or called out ones. Why? Because we are called out 
from the world by God to live as His people under the Lordship of Christ. We are a called out group of people to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Church is not something we attend. It's not something you are. Church isn't a place. It's a group of people. We are the church. You are the church. And we don't need a building to exist. In fact, for the most part, the first church in Acts do not have a building. They met most of the time in just homes. So we're going to be closing down the church here this week. This is my announcement. And we'll be meeting over at Tad and Maria's house this week. Can you, yeah, you guys don't even have to get ready. I'll never forget our first service. Everybody was so relaxed on the deck. You know, it was like just hanging out at the house. It was a wonderful time of worship. And many of you know the story as the neighbor decided to start up the lawnmower. Then I realized then we need a building where you can't hear outside the building. And uh, so it was him and I, even though I think sometimes the lawnmower was harmonizing with some of the worship music, but uh, we don't want to, we don't want to relive that now, do we? Peter uh, actually, he even understood what the church was. He described it as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belongs to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's the church, the people of God. And we are the church. Where we are, that's where the church is. The church does not come to life only on Sundays. It is the living body of Christ, and it is capable of expressing the life of Christ every day and everywhere. We worship Him every day, not just on Sundays. And the difference is worship is more prominent on Sundays because we congregate what? In large numbers. Just a minute, I'm going to, I'm going to do an illustration for it and I'll show it to you. In fact, the first church that we know about meets every day. And Acts chapter 2 tells us they meet to praise God, learn His Word, and in meeting one another's needs. So the coming together of the believers is not by accident. Jesus says He will build His church. And it was clearly intentional, and it was planned for us. When this was finally fulfilled in Acts, we come to understand why. Now, let me just show you just a little bit of an illustration. So I'm going to have Debbie, my, my assistant up here. She's going to step right up here on the platform. Thank you, Debbie. Okie dokie. And she's going to stand right here. Thank you, Debbie. Appreciate it. I know it. This, you're perfect for this. I know we are. All right, and uh, Diane Shaber and Patty, if you'll please come on up. And then I'm going to have Steve and Mike, if you'll please come on up. And uh, come and stand right here in this area. This area right here. Come right over here. Stand in this area. You're a group of people. Okay? And uh, I think we need another awesome assistant. Let me look here. Um, okay, come right on up. You'll be perfect for this anyhow. So what do we notice here? First of all, we look at the church. You're going to stand by Patty. Oh, there you go. Oh. Right here. Arm in arm. Standing together. We didn't practice this, but I want to kind of show you a little bit about this illustration. One thing that I love about worship and coming together as a body. Now, count with me. Over here we have how many people? One. Over here we have how many people? 
Five, very good. For some of you, you quick on, you, you, I mean, you catch on very quickly. Now, Debbie, what I want you to do is I want you to shout right now and just give us a demonstration of like if we're in public and you say a certain phrase. What is it that you know? There you go. New hope. So randomly, she does this. Okay, but say this again and just be quiet in the building. Do it again. Okay, now watch this. Now, I want you guys to, let's have a meeting here real quick. Okay, what you're going to do is we're going to yell, new hope, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Then you're going to clap, and you're going to make a bunch of noise, okay? New hope, hallelujah, glory, praise the Lord. Clap, just do it all together. Wait. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory, clap, 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 okay? New, new hope. At the same time together. Excuse me, we're practicing right now, so we're going to do this all at the same time. Yeah, what, let's do one practice, okay? On the count of three, we're going to practice. Ready? One, two, three. Stick with the program. That's when we need to practice. New hope. Okay, and let me mute this for just a minute. Are we ready? Now we've got this group of people over here. So we have one person that shouts. No. We have a group of people that shouts. Okay. You didn't work well in the choir either. That's why we shut down the choir. They just couldn't follow. <laughs> now watch this. What did you notice between the two? We, people can say to me, you know, Pastor, I would have made it to church today, but I spent some time in St. Mattress. Then I said, wow, so you met and you were encouraged by St. Mattress today? And that's kind of their comment to me. I would have loved to have made it. But, but notice the difference. When there's one person that makes a comment or says something versus a group of people, it, it added some sound and some encouragement, didn't it? Now watch this. Debbie cannot say to herself, good morning, Debbie. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Debbie. She's not going to have a conversation by herself. She does with Facebook. Yesterday she writes on Facebook, I need coffee. And so everybody on their little bitmojis, we all send her coffee. And, uh, but in reality, this is how the church comes together, the called out assembly it's very difficult to receive the encouragement, the edification, the love, the prayer, if it's just one. But when you have a group of people that praise God, and I want you to look at each other and say, good to see you guys here today. Very good. All right. So by encouraging each other, by, there, there it is. So when the one actually comes in, now she starts to feel like she's a part of that assembly, that she's now encouraged. It's very difficult through hardships, trials, tribulations, death, to know that you're just a person standing by yourself. Thank you. You may be seated. So when we see this, we realize that it takes all of us together. So look to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here today. People need that encouragement. We need to be uplifted. We came to church not so you can sit by yourself, 
so that you can be edified and encouraged with those that are around you. You know what's great about the body of Christ is coming together to say, hey, I'm glad I got a chance to see you. Dejan, I got to tell you something. It's real funny. I was looking at some pictures of the past and, you know, just reflecting on some things. And Jody had sent us a picture, uh, was looking through some of the Facebook posts, and it was of Bruce and Doris. Right behind, you were sitting right there. You know, and even though there might have been a gap in between our lives, doesn't mean that you're not thought of. But coming together and encouraging one another, it makes people feel loved and appreciated. That's what the church is about. Now, let me, let me also show you that it doesn't stop here, that the gospel has to go out and continue to let people know that you're a called out assembly, that you're a peculiar people. Now, if the scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that we were called out of darkness and now we walk in light, for he is light, that we're supposed to shine. The, the question I'm going to ask you this morning, how have you made a difference this week, as the called out assembly, the royal priesthood, the, the chosen people of God, a holy nation that has made a difference for the cause of Christ. What have you done? Where have you been? Church, we have to move together. Why are we on Facebook Live? We do that to show people that we love God. And to show the world that our life is about Christ. We're not a perfect people. We're a chosen priesthood. So act like it. Wow. Boy, that, that really puts it in a whole other perspective, doesn't it? I'll tell you this. I know that God has expectations of me. Because if I'm part of His royal family then he expects me to act like I'm a part of his family. He expects me to participate like I'm part of his family. And church, because we are talking about the body, and we've talked about those that have been a part of this wonderful congregation, and those that are away, we're all still part of the kingdom. You see, because it's not just this building, it's the ecclesia. It's the called out group of people that come together to make up the kingdom of God. I told my wife, I saw um, Bill and Lonnie yesterday at the funeral, 90 years of age. I didn't realize they were that old. Still spry and peppy and wonderful. And you know what I told Becky? I'm thankful for the three years that God gave me. To be a part of a ministry, to reach, and to, to, to just be a part of that group. You know, often we look at things as curses and burdens instead of blessings. God's called us a peculiar people. As far as the kingdom of God is, putting aside all of our differences and coming together to worship Him. Point number one, growth comes through the church. Growth comes through the church. God designs it for our spiritual growth and support. This community, therefore, is indispensable for the believers. It is where we can be encouraged. It's where we can be strengthened in our walk with Jesus. I love what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says. It says, let us not give up meeting together. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, it is clear that Paul made an emphasis here as you see the day approaching. Church, if we continue to walk in darkness, people will never see the light. 
Because we've compromised our stand in Christ. And now what's different? If there's no hope in the church and the only hope we get is outside the body of believers, then why come? Why be a part of it? There's nothing greater than walking up to somebody and saying, I love giving hope and encouragement. And when they look at you and they say, you know what, thanks a lot. You made a difference in my life today. It's better than somebody tapping their head and going, oh, you made a difference in my life today. We need to come together. question that's asked to me a lot is, can I be a believer and not go to church? You will not lose your salvation in Christ. Once you come to know who Jesus Christ is, the Bible says, no man can pluck you out of my Father's hands. We look at the words eternal and forever and never ending. And, and so I realize that when this question is asked to me, you may not lose your salvation because you are not a churchgoer. Going to church will not make you a Christian. But skipping church will mean you will be deprived of many things you need for your growth. Because God has designed this community pro to provide those needs. So, okay, let me, let me give you an illustration. So we have our FAQ class. When you come at 930 for the FAQ class, we're, we're hitting topics that people ask all the time questions. What is my involvement? Or what are these questions? Why are we hitting these topics? Because I will tell you that those that were in darkness and now we walk in the light are asking questions. What makes you any different than me? And if we can't open up the word of God and show it, that it's because of the cross of Christ. Because of his death, his burial and resurrection, because of his life. What message do we have to share? So it's up to us to disciple. That's why we have... Um, FAQ classes. That's why we have the King's Knights Men's Prayer Breakfast. That's why we, the ladies go away for a weekend to be encouraged and enriched and edified, not even in the Word, but challenged in their walk. Wednesday night Bible studies. Come and be a part of how the Holy Spirit is working in our life and our relationship with Jesus Christ. What happens is we do. We lose the protection and support that can only come through the body of Christ. You see, the Bible has no concept of individual spirituality. Christianity is something personal that has nothing to do with anyone else. It is not something personal. Did I say it is something personal? It is not something personal. Almost all the writings in the New Testament are done in the plural, addressing to the churches and hardly to individuals. Isn't that interesting? Greek distinguishes between the singular and the plural, you. The Christian life is not meant to be lived as a solo act. As Christians, we are members of God's church and brothers and sisters to one another. It is a spiritual family. And it is near impossible to live a Christian life alone. It runs counter to everything God says. I doubt if anyone can grow healthy, spiritually, apart from this community. People will say, but pastor, I need to take a break. I didn't know it was work. I thought this was a lifestyle. Pastor, I need to take a break from this. It's just too much for me. What's too much for you? If you're a called out assembly and we're working together as a body, then we together as a body spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and reach one another. 
If a person is sick or in a very difficult situation, cannot find the means to go to church, then I understand, and they have no choice but to come together. But the reason why we come together is for that encouragement. But there's always ways to find a way we can be discipled and encouraged and edified. And that's what church is about. Being able to study and be in the Word. And I will tell you, my Wednesday night Bible studies and even Sunday morning FAQ class, I've enjoyed. Because I love your input into the Word of God. And into others that are around you. Your perspective from God's words, from the Scriptures really helps to see a different perspective because we come from all different cultures and different lives. And that's what the church is made up of. Remember, when we were little, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in His sight. Because we realize that all of us, we're the same because we bleed red. And because we have Jesus Christ in our life. That's what brings one another together. We don't need to think about what great contributions we can offer. Start with something as simple as being present. Our presence makes a difference. Our presence itself is an encouragement. Have you guys ever attended an event? Not because you like it, but because your presence matters to someone. Like going to a movie. You don't like the movie, but your good friend is organizing it. And only a few can make it. But you turn up because you wanted to give her or someone encouragement or moral support. I believe we've all done that. It's not about us. We do things that make us somewhat uncomfortable. And in our life, we'll say outside these walls that it makes us uncomfortable. But God has called us because you're separated people to get out of the darkness, to walk in the light, and allow Him to start to transform you to be like Him. You sit through an event not because you need to or interested, but because you want to be an encouragement to the group. You're thinking not of self, but the needs of others. And I've learned over the years that when you do something, not so much for self, but for greater good of the others, that blessing is often returned. You end up happier and getting blessed in return. God blesses you in return. Listen, church. It's difficult for some of you to get out of your seat and to walk four inches to say hi. And I'm not talking physically, but because sometimes it's uncomfortable. But did you ever think that the person in front of you, behind you, to your left or to your right, just today, their life hinged on your love for them. And they came because they needed that encouragement from you, from one another. That's the church. That's the body. And, and I have watched. You guys want me to give you a diagnosis and a spiritual prescription? As soon as some of these seats that were filled become empty, it's because that person started to think of me, myself, and I instead of others. We've got to get to a place where our life just isn't about us, me, myself, and I. I like what Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed 
Isn't that awesome? Don't you guys love it when you walk away from something and they have a good feeling in them because you love them, you complimented them, you encouraged them, you edified them. Hey, how about this? You did an act of random kindness because the Lord laid it on your heart. And you get to walk away just singing Skip to the Lou, my darling, because it was such a great feeling and you felt like you made a difference in the kingdom of heaven. That's what the body's about, identifying those needs. I'll give you this illustration. It wasn't in my message, but as I lead up to uh, our last point, you can make an impact in your world. I had a couple that came to me, and they were talking about tithing, and they were, they were struggling in their finances. They said, but pastor, you don't understand. We don't have the kind of money that you have. This is a few years back, and, and I said, who said I had money? I'm probably poorer than you are. I have a family of six. You have a family of three. No, you don't understand. I mean, it's very difficult to give. It's very difficult to give of my tithe, of my talent, of my time. You see, I'm working a lot these days. So as this man and woman was sitting in my office, I just looked at him. I said, can I challenge you with something? Just go ahead. Just do this for one month. When you think of your tithe, your time, your talent, and you start to give to God, don't expect something in return. Because again, if you're truly giving, you're giving out of love for, for Christ and for others, not for yourself. Now, when I say time and talent, I mean, does God give you a gift that you've just sat back and said, I'm not going to do anything with it because I just don't have time to practice a, a song or to greet or to work or whatever. So anyhow, I told this couple, I said, so let, let me ask you this. I want you to do this. Go ahead, take your tithe. I want you to tithe on Sunday. See what happens. So they said, okay, we're going to go ahead and do it. Even though we're broke. I said, you're broke because you haven't been giving. It takes work discipline. So I said, and then also, um, I need to talk to both of you about something. When was the last time you actually greeted? You got out of your comfort zone. Why don't you guys just greet at the door this week? Do so, see how blessed you'll be. So they ended up giving. They ended up greeting at the door. They ended up saying, okay, I'm going to try something. I'm going to sing. They actually joined the praise team, sang. I loved it. I loved seeing his face in the praise team. Here's what he said to me afterwards. Pastor, this was really bizarre. He goes, and I love what Proverbs 11.25 says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. He said, I feel good today. I said, you feel good today. Why? He said, because I'm just going to tell you, every penny I gave, a man walked up to me and said, you know what? The Lord laid you on my heart today. And he said, well, what is that? He goes, I want you guys to go eat dinner on us today. Gave me back every penny that I just put in that plate. Who would have known? Only God. And then all of a sudden, this couple that walked in, they were, they were just discouraged, and they saw me stand there. They are like, I've never seen you stand here before. He's like, I know. They started talking. I started crying. They started crying. We all just kind of, you know, encouraged one another, edified one another. It was such a great moment for me. Then I got up, and I was singing, and I didn't realize just the expression on people's faces. He said, I feel so good because I gave. My wife's laughing because some of you guys wouldn't believe some of your expressions. There's power, power, wonder-working power. And we're not talking about that face. And uh, we're talking about that face that when you sing, 
You can only imagine just the glory of heaven. So at the very end, I asked him, did the church make an impact on you today? Did the body of believers make an impact on you today? And he said, yes, pastor. Yes. See, when we start to realize that sometimes doing things that are uncomfortable starts to really let go of us, and then we just transition right into who Christ is. The church will make an impact. It's not maybe, it will surely happen, because Jesus prophesied this. It is not about what we can do, but what Christ can do through us. It's not about what we can do, it's about what Christ can do through us. If we are willing to let Him help us out. After saying, I will build my church, Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail, will not overcome it. You see, to the Jewish people, they would understand the gates of hell to mean death or the power of death. The gates lock the dead in. Yet Jesus said the gates of hell will not be stronger than the church, likely referring to the church's power to liberate people from the bondage of death. Watch this. Jesus goes on to say to Peter that it is the church that he represents that he will have the keys to the kingdom of heaven, referring to the authority to bind and loose lives through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things in the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. You see, church, sin will be dealt with. Death has no power to hold us bound because it has no power over Jesus. And in this, we see Jesus will soon die to free man from sin and death and be raised on the third day. The gates of hell cannot keep man bound because the gospel to be proclaimed eventually by the church, will set him free. Romans 1.16 says, The gospel is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. The church has the power of the gospel, and it's stronger than the gates of hell. And this power is now entrusted to the church, not the institutional church, but for the body of believers who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. We are entrusted with the gospel. The power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. Why, church? Because we can have an impact on other people. You see, when Jesus wants to touch someone and free them, He does it through you and through me. For we are the body and we are the church. Lives will be touched and lives will be changed because we bring others from darkness into the presence of Jesus Christ. That's being the church.
And we are the church. So I ask you this morning, I have a video I want to just share with you. When I was a little boy, I heard this, and it always reminded me of the church and just what the Lord does in in regard to the church, and then we're going to close. But I no longer want you to think of yourself as just an individual. Do you know God's called you here? He said because you're a called-out assembly. See, some that aren't with us, and I've had to come to understand this, there's churches across America because you've made a difference to those that are sitting in front of you, behind you, or around you. Maybe even in this community, maybe the community at large, but we all have a calling, and have you surrendered to that calling? Are you making an impact for the cause of Christ? For we are the body, and we are the church. So may I encourage you to be the church. Watch closely. Be the church. Let the people rejoice. For we settle the question. Let the anthems ring out songs of His glory swell for the church triumphant is alive and well. And now this whole ship been through battles before, the storms and the tempests, oh, and the rocks on the shore, though the home may be battered, but inside it's safe and dry. To the floor in the sky God has always had a people Many a foolish conqueror has made the mistake of thinking That because he had forced the church of Jesus Christ out of sight He had stilled its voice and snuffed out its life But God has always had a people the powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. No, the purest water is the stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it has forced its way through solid rock. There have been charlatans who, like Simon the Magician, sought to barter on the open market the power which cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people, men who were beyond purchase, and women who could not be bought. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when the church's message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, and financially profitable. It has been gold-plated and encrusted with jewels, draped in purple. It has been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, scorned, 
These followers of Jesus Christ have been, according to the whim of the times, elevating the sacred leaders and martyred as heretics. Get through it all. Their marches on that powerful army of the meek. God's chosen people who cannot be bought, flattered, murdered, or stilled. All through the ages they march. The church, God's church triumphant. I close, I want to just share a story with you. We have a choice to be the church. Are we alive and are we well? Does the world see that we're dead or are we alive? There was a man by the name of Matthew Barnett who went to the inner city in Los Angeles to minister to gang members, drug addicts, prostitutes, unwed mothers, orphans, and even the homeless. It started in 1994 when he was 20 years old and the church now runs over 180 ministries and houses close to 500 homeless people. This is what he says. When I was in love with the idea of building church attendance, nothing worked. The church didn't work. When I fell in love with people and meeting their needs, everything prospered and it grew. Better than having ideas, better than coming up with church growth concepts, getting out there in the trenches, giving your life for people is the best seed for a harvest. Put yourself in another man's world. Look everyone in the eye and you'll see that there's a need that you can meet. Look everyone in the eye. And you will see that there is a need that you can meet. 
See, the story of Acts even continues today through you and through me. God continues to write the pages of his redemption stories through you and through me. So I want to say this to you today. Don't just go to church. Be the church. Don't just go to church. Be the church. First Peter chapter 2 says, Remember, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a peculiar people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but today you receive mercy. If you've listened today, even not even in this church building, but you want to be a part of the church that come to Jesus today, it's as simple as admitting that I'm just a sinner. And believing on the one who came and who died to give us life. And his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. So if you're happy to be a part of the church, let's not just be a part of one. Let's be a part of many. And I'm going to ask you to do something that might be a little bit uncomfortable this morning. As we have this invitation, I'm going to ask you to rise to your feet. Right now. Rise to your feet. And as a church, I'm going to clock this for 15 seconds. We as a body are just going to usher up praises to God and worship for Him. And we want the world to hear that we are serious about who He is. Are you ready, church? And I'll help you out. You can say words like hallelujah, glory, praise the Lord, new hope, Jesus. There's something about that name. And as you do it, you take your two hands together and we just clap. In America, the church is dead because we've forgotten how to praise Him. So are you ready? I don't think we need a rehearsal for this one. But let's just praise the name of our Savior all together. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. He is worthy. Glory. Hallelujah. All right. You're good. Hallelujah. And I want all of you to know that we just praised him for 30 seconds, actually 28 to be exact. Isn't it just wonderful? God has been so good to us. And I'll leave you with this thought. God was good to Bruce Enlick. God has been good to Doris. In his young life, he was able to journey and to go to places around this world that many of us will never visit. But when you give to others, God gives back. And that's what he did for them. And in that scripture where it says, and now they're refreshed. As Becky stood there with, with Doris even last evening, 
She looked right at Becky, and they were arm in arm. She goes, and I heard her because I was standing right by him. That man loved me. Aren't you thankful for love and for one another? Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, would you come to him? Today's your day of salvation. Be the church. Let the people rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this morning. Thank you for being with us and for calling us out to be that chosen people, the royal priesthood, the called out ones, Lord, that are called to do your work. Help us to not just think our responsibility is in four walls, but Lord, it's around the world. And Father, we thank you for those that are with us and that couldn't be with us today. Father, we thank you for those that have tuned in to even listen to be encouraged by your word today. Father, if they don't know you, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus by believing in you. There's no other hope than to step into the light away from what the world offers, which is nothing. So, Father, we rejoice today for you are good. In your holy name we pray. Amen. As the praise team comes and we just go right into the song of